Welcome to the Tide Run Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Bethay, coming to you today with a quick mini-podcast to share about an experience I had this weekend, the privilege of seeing UGA's first fall scrimmage as a thank you to donors who are part of the McGill Society. Now, I and my teacher, Shadow, do not make enough to be part of the McGill Society, but I was invited as a guest and was able to watch the full two-and-a-half-hour practice, including the two-hour scrimmage that took place on Saturday. New to the show, please make sure to like and subscribe. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and you can email us, titlerunsports at gmail.com. So with this being a closed practice, one of the things that happened is they were very adamant that you cannot have phones out, and there was a very, very adamant and committed usher near us who was scolding people for having their phones out, even when she could clearly see that they were looking at things like the roster on georgedogs.com, and they didn't even have their phones facing the field. But apparently they've had issues in the past, people like live streaming from the bleachers, and it's showing up on message boards. And apparently the McGill Society is afraid that if they don't enforce the rules strictly, that Kirby will take the event away from them and they won't have access to the event for their donors. So when I'm sitting here talking about it, I'm talking as a fan, not a media member, because that would probably be very, very taboo. And I'm going to keep my observations as brief as I can, mostly anecdotal. There's not going to be as much analysis as I probably usually provide. And I will apologize in advance if it sounds like I'm reading because I'm trying to keep my thoughts very, very organized. So I have made a document to try to guide me through this process. All right, enough rambling. Here we go. Starting with offensive personnel, not really a lot of surprises with the ones. Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, Lad McConkey were the two main wide receivers out there when they were in 12 personnel, which is, you know, now our base personnel. Arian Smith and Dominic Lovett came in when they went 10 personnel to the four wide stuff. And this is a pretty consistent group of ones. When they went four wide, these were the guys that were out there, and they all got targets. Um, not really a whole lot to say. I didn't get to see Rosemary Jack Saint get a lot of targets. Lad McConkey was Lad McConkey. He got a few throws, caught him, looked like himself. Arian Smith burnt one of the corners for a deep ball, and somehow Carson Beck overthrew him, which is very hard to do. Ball landed just about a yard beyond him. He did have one drop later on, but he also had a big catch on a smash route later on that was a blown coverage. So uh, one of the few really, really positive uh, pass plays for the ones because it was a rough day for the offenses. Um, Beck and Vandergriff traded first-team reps, but Beck took more, and he also ran the two-minute drill in the red zone period with the ones. So as we've all known, he is clearly the guy. For the running backs, Kendall Milton and Branson Robinson worked on the side with other injured players. Apparently, Kendall Milton has a hamstring injury, so... Real shock there, and equally shocking news, water is wet. <laughs> because I say that because it just seems like Kendall Milton always has soft tissue injuries. Did not hear what the injury was at Branson Robinson, but they were both walking the stairs and running on the bikes, riding the bikes and doing that stuff on the side. So Dejon Edwards and Cash Jones took the majority of the first two reps. So probably didn't have that one in your uh, bingo card, did you? And Roderick Robinson got a handful of reps with the ones also. Delp was the primary tight end, not Brock Bowers, although Brock Bowers was on the field. What they essentially did was use Brock Bowers as the H-back and move tight end, which is very similar to what he and Washington did last year. But they would split Bowers out. They would line him up as what's essentially a fullback in the H-back role in our offense, and they would motion him, use him to do whatever they needed to do. So 
Those two are in the field together a lot, and Delp also took some reps alongside Lawson Lucky. And when Lucky came in, he lined up at the traditional attached Y, and Delp moved to the move tight end matchup role. Delp also did catch a long touchdown pass on a really well-designed play where I believe Delp was at H-back and Lucky was at Y, but Lucky went down the seam. Delp ran a wheel route right outside of the hashes, not all the way down the sideline, and Lucky pulled the safety away, allowing Delp to catch this ball between the hash and the numbers and run all the way to the end zone. He showed off some really good wheels um, on that. So that was one of the plays that stood out for the day. So I think that could be something you see during the year. I think that Lost and Lucky is actually going to get some playing time this year and not just garbage time reps. This was one that we were wondering about also, but Andrew Paul was a full go. He wore a big bulky knee brace that after his, I think, first or second carry, he got popped on and took off and put on a lighter brace. But he was full go, live contact, and he took a lot of second team reps alongside Roger Robinson. And if you've ever seen Andrew Paul's film from high school, this did not look like that guy. He looks like a guy that is still recovering from an ACL injury. You can tell the juice isn't back yet. And when he tried to change directions or accelerate quickly, you just tell he was still recovering. So there's an update on him. He did look big and strong. He ran physically. But just that explosion that you saw when he was coming out of high school isn't quite back yet. On defense, there was no Smile Monday, no Kamar Lasseter, and no Ingram Dawkins. All of them working on the side of trainers, and those are three guys are going to be heavily in the rotation. Um, Munden and Lash are going to play the majority of our snaps this year. In the secondary, you had Javon Buller at safety, along with Malachi Starks. No surprises there. With the same, that's the same as it was in the spring. Dalen Everett, Julian Humphrey, and Nylon Green all split first-team reps at corner. Everett appears to be the favorite for that CB2 spot when Kamari Lasseter comes back. But don't be surprised if you see all three of these guys rotating early. Um, Humphrey had a good day. He impressed me more so than the other two. Not They didn't look good, but he just had a few more stand-up plays. And Tyke Smith was still at star, and he split a good number of his reps with Janelle Aguero, the freshman who is going to be really good, folks. Like He's going to be a stud. Had a few rough reps during practice, but that's just to be expected for him being a freshman. Also, lots of Xavier and Sori in C.J. Madden at the outside linebacker positions, and Chaz Chambliss did play, but he played less in the stand-up packages at outside linebacker and played a lot more with his hand on the ground in our four-man front. So I don't know if that's something they were just working on, but that is a role that he's played a lot in the past at. And he was doing less of the stand-up role that you would see Nolan Smith alternate between and more of just putting his hand on the ground as a more traditional defensive end type look. So those are the things that I saw from defensive personnel. You notice I haven't mentioned the offensive and defensive lines. A couple of reasons. One, I don't know all the numbers. And B, they were a lot harder to read and see from where I was. <laughs> Much easier to see the skinny guys because they're running around and their numbers are very easily visible. So I can't tell you a whole lot about what was happening up front other than they absolutely stuffed our offense, which we'll talk about more here in just a second. So I mentioned this earlier, but it was kind of a rough day for the offense. The defense really dominated the day, and it was really with all three groups. The offense struggled to run the ball. I mean, struggled mildly to the point that it was it was almost concerning. The receivers struggled to separate. There were a lot of throws into tight coverage. And I'm not sure if that's an indictment on our receivers or an endorsement of our secondary play. Probably more of the second. But the secondary absolutely seatbelted our receivers all day long. I mean, just the throws were in tight spaces. There was a lot of contested catches when they were made. And our defense just looked like an absolutely 
superior unit. Now, that may not have been the case for all fall practice. And again, I'm watching a two-hour snippet. But the big takeaway was that the defense looked exceptional. One of the things that was a little concerning for the offense was the number of drop balls, especially when they went to the two-minute drill with the ones. The first three passes Carson Beck threw were dropped, one by Ladd McConkey, one by Dominic Lovett, and I can't remember who the third one by. It might have been Aaron Smith. But, like, that's how the two-minute period started, and it was not a good look. The offense also really struggled in the red zone period. The defense knocked the offense backwards for a loss on third goal and inches at the goal line, and Kirby took that time to let the offensive line know that if they couldn't get a foot, then any thoughts they had of being finalists for the Joe Moore Award were um, – misplaced, I will say. I can't use the language that Kirby used to describe it. <laughs> he was uh, quite unhappy with what was going on in the field for a lot of the day, and we'll touch on that in a second here. But it was a little disappointing to see the offense's inability to run the ball. Again, they got down on the goal line, and even guys like Roger Robinson, who's a sledgehammer, couldn't budge an inch. I mean, our offensive line couldn't piss a drop against our defense down in the red zone. And again, it was surprising. I know there was no Kellen Milton and no Branson Robinson, but you should be able to get a yard or a foot down in the red zone, and we couldn't. And um, the defense really dominated the offense in that period, at least with the ones. None of the quarterbacks really looked great throughout the day. All of them had flashes, but Beck probably had the best throw of the day on just an absolute dime to the walk-on Makai Muse, who's like my favorite UJ player right now. He had him on a slot fade against double coverage, and the, the, the ball was thrown to a spot where only Muse could get it by stretching out. He did, caught the ball. It was perfect coverage. It was just... Excellently executed play by both of them. Stockton probably had the best runs of the day. He had a couple of really good scrambles where you could see that, man, he's he truly is a plus athlete. I think it kind of gets lost with the way he looks being stocky, but he really is a plus athlete, and he had a nice scramble. And he also had a design quarterback run for a touchdown in the red zone period against the twos. He, and he um, had a really impressive drive, as did uh, Carson Beck on the last two-minute drill. Beck took them right down the field for a touchdown, which was really impressive. Vandergriff had picks on back-to-back series, although one wasn't his fault. It was a tip pass off the receiver's hands. And the other one was a bad decision, but it was also an absolutely unbelievable head-tap pick by number 15, whose name wasn't on the roster, so he was a safety with the threes. Or So whoever he was went and pulled the ball right out of the receiver's hands on a route down the sideline. It was a very impressive play. Another observation was because of the good coverage, we had – so many checkdowns, check down, check down, check down. So many third and longs that ended up being check downs to the running back. One led to like a 50-yard catch and run by Dejon Edwards, but the rest of them were the typical throw the ball for six yards on third and ten and punt and punt and punt again to the point where Kirby, after, I don't know, like the sixth punt says, at this rate we're going to have to scholarship three more punters just to be able to get through this scrimmage, which was, you know, pretty hilarious because – Kirby was very riled up, as I mentioned earlier. I also mentioned how the defensive line dominated a lot of the scrimmage, but it didn't lead to a lot of sacks. The quarterbacks actually did a good job of avoiding pressure and getting rid of the ball without holding it for too terribly long. So that was something that I did not see in the spring. A lot of them were patting the ball and letting the pressure get to them. But today, or rather on Saturday, I did not see that. Another observation I had is that Roger Robinson, much like I said in the spring, he's a project. He's big and strong, but... His vision is still very much developing, and he doesn't make people miss. He will sometimes just ram his head right in the back of his offensive lineman. However, he did have the longest run of the day. It was about a 40-yard run that showed that he has decent speed for a guy his size, but he did get caught inside the five-yard line on a play that probably Kendall Milton or even Dejan Edwards probably scores on. So 
he is an interesting prospect. He caught the ball pretty well, which surprised me, but I'm just not sure what his long-term projection is. I think he's an NFL, I think he's an SEC running back, but he just does not look like very much like what I picture our running backs looking like. A great example of what he looks like is you think back to the days of Brandon Sutherland, dark in his skin, and that's what you kind of got in Roger Robinson. As for the individuals that stood out, number one, first and foremost, is Kirby Smart on the mic. Boy, did he let these people have it. I mean, he's calling people out left and right, roasting the team for their inability to move the ball with a comment he had about the punts. Talked a lot about their lack of conditioning, how it was hot. To the one point, he goes, maybe we just need to stop playing and go condition this whole time. He said, coaches, if your guy can't go more than three plays without coming out, get him out of there. Put somebody that wants to play. Um, one of the players, I think it was Aaron Robinson, after dropping a pass, made an excuse about their hands being wet because it was blazing hot out there. And I think some of the guys complained about having sweaty hands, but Kirby was not having it. And when Makai Muse stretches out and makes that ridiculous diving catch, on the ball I mentioned earlier, Kirby goes, look, and that guy's got tiny hands with Makai Muse, if you didn't know, being all of five foot eight and 185 pounds. So Kirby was in peak form, calling out coaches, calling out individuals. I remember on the touchdown run by Gunnar Stockton in the red zone period, he specifically called out Damon Wilson for a busted assignment, saying that if he didn't do his job, that was what happened. So Kirby was in midseason form, and he remains a master motivator. And speaking of coaches, one other thing I have to mention is Glenn Schumann. This dude coached the entire day in a sweatsuit. I mean like a fleece sweatsuit. Gray. It's the same one he wears all the time. And by the end of practice, it looked like he had taken a Gatorade bath. That thing did not have a dry spot from waist to neck, and his pants were almost equally wet. He was soaked completely through his clothes. And it's funny because he apparently does that as kind of a check on his players saying, if I can coach in this, you can go run around in a helmet and shoulder pads and be fine. But, man, he if he's doing that every day, this dude has to be losing eight pounds of water weight a day. It was absurd. So I had to point that out because you look down there and you see Schumann progressively sweating through more and more of his sweatsuit and it's absolutely hilarious to look at another person that stood out was makai muse again who's like my new georgia football crush he may have the best hands of any wide receiver on our team i think bowers probably still has the best hands on our team but he stood out made a number of catches he ended up getting some reps the ones the very end of practice after running with the twos for most of practice the duke can just play and he's dangerous with the ball after the catch he was also one of our primary punt returners so Look for that guy, the little short number 87, to get some playing time. And look at it. And he just does good things in the balls and in his hands and he's on the field. That's all I can say about him. Another one that stood out to me was A.J. Harris, one of our young corners. He looked good in coverage, made several nice tackles. When they did their fast hop period and they did their screen drills, he was coming up, making really physical contact and breaking blocks, which was impressive to see. So he's another one that stood out to me. So I know that was short, but those are my general takeaways from the scrimmage. Overall, I thought that the defense looked very, very good. The offense – wasn't really able to push the ball down the field and was very inconsistent in both the run and pass games. There was some questionable decision-making by the quarterbacks, part of that due to lack of throwing lanes and a lot of receivers being in tight coverage. Gunnar Stockton continues to put the ball in harm's way probably a lot more often than they would like for him to because he has such good arm talent. But I do think that this is probably a function of the defense just being ahead of the offense in camp, especially with the offense having had so many injuries to the running backs and some of the other players. 
are expected to be contributors. And also some of the reports that the offensive line had looked really good in fall camp means that this is probably just an off day for the offense. And I got to ask this question, so before I close, I want to touch on this. Somebody asked me this question. I thought it was really well framed. Did this look more like a Mark Richt offense or more like a Todd Munkin offense? And I can definitively say with the 12 personnel, the movement, the RPOs, this definitely looked more like a Todd Munkin offense. Things weren't sharp yesterday, but if not for a few drops and you know one overthrow, we probably feel a lot different about the offense. If Aaron Smith catches the fade ball early on, if there weren't a couple drops in the two-minute period, you're probably feeling a lot different about the day other than the inability to run the ball. So there's that. So this has been Dave Bethay for Todd Run Sports. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.